All right, guys, welcome back to the ALG podcast. Today, we have a very special episode for you guys. Today, we are not joined by one guest, but two guests, two returning guests. Today, we have Instagram's most wanted man, the artist formerly known as Gourmet underscore goes underscore keto, now known as one word, Gourmet goes keto, and the big homie, Ben Primal Bro Phelps. And of course, as always, join with me is my partner in crime, David Fit D Rock. Roden. And I, I'm John Arpino. So, and welcome <laughs> to the show. Uh, today, guys, we are going on a path, a journey, if you will. We are going to have a roundtable discussion on everybody's favorite diet, it looks like, keto. So I figure, well, me and David figured, if we're going to talk about keto, we got to talk to, you know, in our opinion, two of the biggest keto role models on the Grizzam. So here we go. We got two of them. You know, Not so big we, anymore. Well, yeah, not and so I'm big back. anymore. I missed that intro, but I'm back. Oh, it was Perfect. a beautiful intro. You'll, you'll, was, you'll listen to it, you it know, when immaculate. this comes out. Yeah, it was a great and then, intro. And then for anyone listening right now, I'll, 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 I'll cut this out. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yes, I'm getting savage comments for, for not cutting out error spots. I'm sorry. We're working on it here. We're working on it. We are. We really are. <laughs> Perfection's a myth, people. I love it. Um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation because, number one, it's fun with Primal because he's actually eating some potatoes and some rice for the first time in a while. So it's going to be fun to have this conversation. And, uh, and obviously, Gorman is still holding strong with, with – because, Gorman, you're still locked in keto. You don't, you don't cheat at all, quote-unquote cheat. Well, what day of the week is it? Um, what day of the week is it? No, I mean, I'm, I'm a keto 99% of the time. Okay. I mean – yeah, I haven't had any. I don't think since I've been in California, I've, I can say I haven't had a potato since I've gotten to California. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm gonna, looking... I was waiting to pull that out and throw it at Ben as like an accusation. Like this was like a moderated debate. Mm. I was going to be like, and you, sir, had a sweet potato on your plate. <laughs> like in the middle of an <laughs> argument. Like Wait, I wanted like to like. The, just, the, just the idea of I'm looking forward to, obviously the internet's being a little goofy right now. It's called life. And I'm excited to have some of the, the what is keto exactly i think that's a good place to start and then going into the how to and then kind of going into misconceptions on both sides like obviously i think having the discussion of seeing some girl that's keto eating a hot dog wrapped in pizza cheese and going i'm keto i'm like you're crazy (laughs) and having the the pros and cons of different of keto conversation and then like keto hacks i think is a kind of good place to talk to to finish it off with and then there's a couple of conversation uh, questions on our discord server that we'll we'll finish up at the end yeah we'll rapid fire those if you want at the end yo yeah um so before we, uh, before we really get into the uh, meat and not potatoes, um, huh. I do have uh, not a question, but first of all, tell us, uh, Gourmet, you go first. How long have you been on keto? Um, for me, it is, we're coming up on, up on almost four years. February will be four years, so three years and nine months. Cool. Yeah. No, no, we have voice now. So Ben, really quick, how long have you been on keto? Uh, so almost identical right about the four year mark. Cause like Gourmet was saying, I heard him talking that we had started at roughly similar times. We've kind of been on this road, this train together, so to speak. Cool. Awesome. So that's good because, you know, then maybe because you guys have been on it on, you know, for just about the same time, you guys maybe will have some of the same experiences. Maybe. Um, so Gourmet, we'll start off with you. What kind of 
what made you lean towards the keto path? Obviously, we know your story. We know, you know, you've done every diet in the book, but what made you lean towards that? Um, well, I, I think honestly, it was realizing that any success I had had in the past was when I was going lower carb. Uh, I have been reading about the ketogenic diet. I read specifically two books, uh, Jimmy Moore's Keto Clarity and uh, Vinny Tortorich's Fitness Confidential, and mm-hmm. both talked about using a well-formulated ketogenic diet to give people relief from food addiction and from cravings. And that was always the challenge for me. You know, even when I was successful on paleo in 2012, 2013, uh, I was still white knuckling all the time. And I was looking for something that might give me relief from that hormonal roller coaster of food. And so I was drawn to keto because I felt like that was something that would, would help me um, and with everything that I was dealing with from what I was reading really at the time, you know, it wasn't necessarily, I had tried it before or anything along those lines. It was more, and there really weren't that many people kind of practicing this and practicing it in the social media space as of that time. Like it was more just starting to get bigger. So it was really about kind of diving in and, and seeing how it worked for me. I got you. I got you. Well, Ben, I just texted Ben on the side. I told him to hop off and then hop back on in. Uh, what were some of the things? Cause like to me, keto kind of always attracted me because of I'm a cheese guy, you know, mm-hmm. I've always been a cheese guy. I've always been a meat guy. Um, was that, there we go, Ben, you are crystal. Don't do anything. You're a beautiful do guy. Ben is here. Ben is here. I made it. I'm not late, I guess. No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> Gorby, really quick. What was like some of the, the things that uh, attracted you towards the keto diet? Um, I, well, I think it obviously it's having that savory, you know, knowing that I can eat those savory foods, um, being able to kind of pull that, in, pull that into place. Um, I think for me too, I knew I had a problem with sweet things. I knew I had a problem with sugar controlling it, like the mm-hmm. massive amounts of sugar I could eat without restriction. So I knew I needed to do something that would restrict that. And for me, I'm the kind of person that rules help me. Uh, that idea of just kind of free balling in that if it fits your macros world is something that just doesn't work well for me because I will try, like I, I've said this before, when I was a teenager and I did Weight Watchers, I figured out how to eat chicken breast and Reese's peanut butter cups for all my points on Weight Watchers. <laughs> so I, I, I find ways to make things happen. So I knew that if I was just doing strict calorie tracking, I would find ways to use those calories in ways that were not gonna you know, help me at all with the challenges I was having. And right. honestly, it was this idea of eating a higher fat diet, giving me relief from that constant hunger uh, was just something that was too attractive for me not to try. And I, I love the, totally I love the savory food. Like I love sweet, I love all food, you know, that's my problem. So it's not right. like, you know, there's some people that are like, they have a sweet tooth, they have a savory tooth. They like salty, give it to me. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. My new, my, the, the thing I'm probably most upset about in the world is I see now that they're prepackaging um, cheddar, salt, and uh, caramel popcorn together in one bag for people. I saw that. Yeah. So you can have it all at one time. Uh, that never existed when I was on that stuff. So you know, that's really my sphere is like, I could go right from, I would go from a savory meal to dessert, back to a savory meal, back to another dessert. And it was this endless train. And so the idea that by focusing on some of those more savory components might help me get off that train was something really attractive to me. Cool. 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 Yeah, so the big, but, thing, oh, God. Because the big thing to me is like, for anyone that's just hearing keto, like for the first time, obviously, well, actually anyone clicking this, it's not the first time. But like the thumbnail sketch, I will kind of, I'll just portray to anyone that's, that's wondering this whole, because I, I think there's two main angles to it. Number one is carb restriction. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's number one. Like there's no way to get on ketosis without carb restriction, meaning below 
for 30 to 40 carbs. And I would say total carbs, not even net carbs, um, a day. And then number two is the distinguishing factor of, are you on a 70 to 80% fat diet of your calories being fat? Cause for me, I've always liked low carb, but when I go to high fat, which is, I would say keto versus a low carb diet. Um, I, I just have a hard time with all that fat personally. I like a high protein, low carb, mid fat, then a high fat, mid protein, low carb. Personally. Well, I, I, I think it, as far as getting into ketosis, like it depends on your body, but mm -hmm. really it's the carb restriction that matters the most. Uh, there are some people that eat more in the, eat more in the, the, the 50% fat range and are still, you know, still show high readings of, of levels of ketosis. Like it really depends on you as a person. Like I have some clients that I work with that are in the, you know, I have one client specifically who's in the 50 car, 50 total carb range right now for himself. And, you know, he's in, he's in ketosis. Like, I, I think there are some people it's when you're coming down under a hundred, depending on their insulin sensitivity and how they react to carbs, like they can be eating more than others. Then there are other people who to see any kind of measurable reading of ketones in their blood need to take their carbs down even lower. But really, I think the big thing that people miss with, with keto is it's, it's not a brand of food. It's not like anything along those lines. It's a metabolic state. Keto is a metabolic mm -hmm. state. And I think then what we get into, which is something you, you kind of hinted at that I'm sure Ben and I both can speak to at some point during this is you, food choice then starts to come into play, you know, but it's the kind of thing like you could lose weight on any diet if you do the diet, you know, if you follow the diet's rules, you know, you could be keto and eat junk food all day. Like, are you going to be healthy? That's a whole nother discussion. Like, are you actually going to be, you know, metabolically functioning? Are you going to feel great? All of those things. But can you, could you be quote unquote in keto and just eating crap? Of course you could be. And you can be in ketosis and gain weight. It's right. like, oh, it's yeah. not, they're not, um, they don't correlate, right? They're independent of one another too. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I, I'm, I'm looking forward to like when we start, cause obviously um, Ben here did keto for pretty much three, four straight years. And then you're at the first time ever adding some friggin' potatoes and some rice back to your meals and how has that kind of transition been for you? It, it's a bigger, it has been a bigger mental shift over the last couple of weeks, more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm nervous about it. Cause like Gormy, it's like, I'm never going to be the person that can, if it fits your macros to a point of like eating a donut every day and making that work. That just that, if I'm going to eat a donut, I'm going to eat 12 donuts. So I just don't eat donuts. Right. I operate better right. in that realm, but the first thing that ever really worked for me was paleo and I ate tons of honey and sweet potatoes and fruit. And I still fairly effortlessly lost weight. It was only once it got, once life got more difficult, I fell off that diet. So then I came back to it. Uh, and that's when I started keto, right? We've talked about my story on the, on the podcast. Um, but yeah, I've rode keto for like about four years and to say I'm reintroduced carbs is a stretch, right? It is rice and sweet potatoes almost exclusively. Um, probably honestly more the sweet potatoes than the rice because something I've found is that my baseline is a little bit different. So like, I don't necessarily feel as good when I'm eating the rice. The sweet potatoes feel like they burn cleaner. Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to be, again, something that's different for everyone. But it's kind of, I had to get super duper restrictive and specific in order to reset and, and fix ideally or hopefully everything. And now I'll just try to build upon that and see how far I can take it. I'm, like I said, I'm never going to be the person who posts these epic cheat meal videos or anything like that. I, that's just 
that'll never work for me. But what right. might work for me is some potatoes because I don't need to be afraid of Matt Vincent. We talked about him earlier, the hate brand uh, Gourmet's hat. He had a quote on a podcast that um, he's, he said, I've seen a bunch of episodes of my 600 pound life and they've never carved anyone out of a house surrounded by banana peels. And that's true, right? It's not a, it's not the most keto friendly food, right? But it's, it's not the problem for America for, for mm-hmm. people like Gormy was saying keto is more of an individualized you have a more of a personal or specific reason for doing it right but, but I'd also say like I, I do think it's important like because I you know I've heard Matt say that like a hundred times and there, on some levels I agree with it and on some levels I disagree because I think for some of us eating and I and I think a lot of people in the keto sphere have kind of gone into that place of experimenting with sweet potatoes and rice and and workout targeted carbs and things along those lines and I've just run across a lot of people that started in that place of reintroducing sweet potatoes and it ends up becoming a gateway for them. It ends up becoming something where it brings those cravings back. It brings back the carb cravings. So I think there's something to be said that there are some of us that, you know, if we started out surrounding ourselves with banana peels would end up in a bad place. And there are some people that it wouldn't like, I think it really is. But like Ben saying, like, it's very individual. Like I think sometimes what happens is we get too caught up in, in worrying about what someone else is doing and, you know, how is that experiment going for that person? And we, we don't experiment enough on ourselves. Like, I, I think we don't, like, there's some people that look at keto and see it as being this like incredibly restrictive way of eating where like, I look at keto as being something that's very freeing to me. Like oh, it's yeah. actually created a freedom for me when it comes to food. And I think that it just goes back into perspective. And I think I, I look at like what Ben's doing and I see his perspective on, on trying that. And then I've seen some other people that are having potato because they really want potato. They're not actually doing it from this perspective of trying to see how their bodies respond and being mindful about it. And mm-hmm. when you're going into it just because you want to try it because someone else tried it and you feel like that gives you permission to do it is when you find yourself in trouble. And so like, I think that one of the things that, you know, for me, I find like, I hear from a lot of people is like, do you do this? Do you, you know, have you tried reintroducing these things? Have you tried that? And I'm like, when I do that, I get in trouble. You know, when it's okay to be one of those people that does that, like it's okay. Mm-hmm for it to work for you and it's okay for it not to work for you. And I think the other thing like realize that, you know, someone like Ben or someone like, you know, some of our friends that have, have started using like workout targeted carbs or having certain days where they have sweet potatoes or they have rice. They're not getting, like Ben said, they're not getting a dozen donuts. They're not having donuts and, you know, Cocoa Krispies and things along those lines. Like they're not right. putting themselves back in that chain and causing, you know, getting back into those habits. Like, so it, it becomes this really different thing, you know, very kind of bio-individual. The same thing with carb level and net carbs versus total carbs. That's a whole nother debate in terms of like what works better for people and like how do you respond better and what works best for you? Like I did, I did keto one way for a year and a half, you know, for over a year and a half, like, and I lost a ton of weight. I went from like 480 to 290 eating just 25 grams of, of net carbs a day and not counting a gram of fat or protein. So there were probably days where I didn't have a high fat, a high fat day. Right. And then I ended up, doing it differently and counting total carbs and really tracking, getting that fat percentage up and found a completely different world. And I think having that willingness to adapt and grow and realize that there isn't one way to do keto is also like the big thing. Like if you Google how to do keto, there's a million answers on Google. Right. And the hard part is figuring out which one works for you, but you have to be willing to do the work and find what works the same way with any other diet. Like with the, if it fits your macros people, like I don't, I don't fault them if that's something that they do that, that they find success with. I think the people that are truly successful with it are not the ones that are using their macros to eat Oreos all day, you know, and then having some chicken breasts. They're the people that find ways to work those things in, you know, realizing that treat foods are treat foods. The same thing with keto treats. Like that's a whole nother can of worms, but 
there's a company now that makes keto Pop-Tarts. Keto Pop-Tarts should not be an everyday food for anyone. Right. You know, Pop-Tarts are not an everyday food. They're a who, who makes that? Uh, legendary Foods. Um, oh, yeah. I've had, create, okay. I wanted to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Creator, creators of the crack nut butters um, yeah. that taste yes. like pie um, yes. that are nearly impossible to control yourself when you open a jar. Yeah. Um, but I think what happens is we fall into this place of people want to replicate the foods that they have trouble controlling when they go keto and they want the keto substitutes. And I think it's foolish to think that if I could regulate pizza naturally, that I can somehow all of a sudden regulate it because it's on cauliflower. Like mm -hmm. there's still that psychological, oh, those, that psychological mindset side of things with food that I I've think people don't it. realize. I've talked about it on my podcast before. It's even if I don't care if the brownies are keto or not, eating an entire tray of brownies is is never the right. Thing. Right, it's never a good idea. You know. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. It's this idea of like, or even like the the pints of keto ice cream, like the ones like Halo Top Keto and like you know Enlightened Keto tend to be the lower calorie ones versus like Rebel or, or Killer Way. And there are people who are like, there's so few calories in this, I can eat the whole pint. And I'm like, the, the issue isn't whether or not you can eat a whole pint of ice cream. It's that you want to eat a whole pint of ice cream. Of course. You know, that's what you really need to work on. You need to work on realizing that ice cream is a, is a portion food. Like, we're mm -hmm. so into this idea of what we deserve and how we should be able to indulge and all of that. And I'm not saying I don't. I mean, I ate a pint of Rebel ice cream the other night, you know. But I'm, I'm also very realistic that was it good for me to eat a pint of Rebel ice cream? No, it wasn't. Like, that was not smart. You know, it was a choice I made. And I, I think we, we move further away and we give ourselves permission because something has that keto label on it. And that, you know, again, I feel like I keep bringing up all these topics. Like we could talk about the fact that when something says keto certified, it's got nothing to do with the ketogenic diet. It's got to do with the fact that that product paid to have that stamp put on their label. Mm -hmm. You know, it's got, there is no FDA regulation on what, whether a product qualifies as a ketogenic food. There's nothing like that at all out there. Because really any food could be ketogenic, you know, depending on the amount you're eating it in. It's the like, context of the rest of your day, you know? Yeah, and I, th mm -hmm. I think that's that's always a big misconception for me. And like the, John and I are in the same position where it's like the anti-diet diet and being so careful. So you you want to go you want to go to keto, which is right. great. Like if you want to take that route, you want to build some more accountability on the carbs you're eating, on the sugar, all this kind of stuff. Great. It does not mean you're allowed to cheat the system and it's like mm -hmm. like for example it's like okay so you play the game of oh well the net carbs of almond butter is so low i'm gonna eat a whole freaking jar and it's like well my my total net carbs is only 38 today well you ate eight thousand calories mm -hmm. like like this whole oh, yeah. idea of of oh, calories don't count on keto yeah yeah it's a calories don't mm -hmm. count on keto and i think it's important to to have the discussion of what is the outcome what, what, when you're creating a nutritional plan, what is the goal and the, the, the balance between fat loss and weight loss to, to get to an ideal body weight? And then what is actually healthy? And you sit here and, and you get in this position of, I mean, you see this across my TikTok and it was like a girl freaking out and so happy about eating this big old thick uh just synthetic hot dog and she rolled she she took a pizza and she rolled the cheese off of the pizza keep leaving the bread behind and ate it and she's like oh my god i love i love how i can eat stuff like this and still be healthy and i'm like we need to have a little conversation here because it's not necessarily about that but it's like how much are you doing it right is this is this a crutch to find because again like you can go to the same thing with vegans because it's like, guess what? Oreos are vegan. Doesn't mean they're healthy. 
And so it is have, having that kind of discussion with, with keto is this all size fits none kind of perspective where it's like, well, as long as my, my carbs are low and my fat's high, everything's fine. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. And, and having that conversation, I think that's what nutritionists get so bad about because they're like, uh, I, we need to, we need to pump the brakes here, pump the brakes. <laughs> Let, let's, let's talk about what is the metabolic position and what's the importance of it. Cause I think flipping the coin too, the amount of nutritionists that, fl- that like have such a negative connotation to keto is fascinating right. because the funniest part to me is you go to any bariatric surgeon. What is the first thing that a bariatric surgeon, almost every single one of them does. They put you on a low carb diet. Yeah. Low carb, low carb. Yeah. But I mean, let's Mm -hmm. be, let's be realistic. Like, and I don't want to, this is going to make some people hate me, but honestly, (laughs) I I think 99% of of nutritionists out there um, are full of crap. Like I know a lot of, I know a lot of, I know, you know, most dietitian, you know, no, not, sorry, I'm not trying to screw up terms. Most nutrition, you know, nutritionists are going to tell people with type two diabetes, that they should be eating bread and, and candy and cookies to, because you can't restrict yourself. And I have, a, I have a friend who constantly is going to his endocrinologist and getting his insulin increased. And when he goes and meets with his, his dietitian and his, you know, his nutritional therapist, and the dietitian says, well, I see you're not eating as much bread as you used to be. Don't you feel restricted? You should be eating more bread. And I'm literally like, this person is trying to kill you. This person <laughs> is literally going to kill you. You know, when you're type 2 diabetic, medication is not healing you. Right medication now. is slowing the progression Process of your disease. Preventing your disease death, is yeah. still there. And it's you can change one. your disease by changing what you eat. And it's this idea that we, we're so, it's because as people, we're not willing to make changes. Like we're willing to take pills for the rest of our lives. Yes. But we're not willing to say, mm-hmm. I shouldn't eat, I shouldn't eat candy for the rest of my life. Well, it's easy to throw a Band-Aid on it, you know? Right. But it's for some reason, if, if I suggest to you that eating candy, you know, removing candy from your diet for the rest of your life could save you, I'm insane. But if a doctor yeah. tells you to take five medicines for the rest of your life every day, oh, that slow yeah. the progression of your disease, Sounds you're reasonable. still going to lose a foot. Yeah, that's reasonable. And like, that's absolutely, like, like there's there's food is powerful. Like food is really powerful, and I think we get lost in this idea. Like, and I don't fault doctors because like we've everyone we've all probably talked about this at some point. Like, doctors get a month on nutrition when they're in medical school, mm-hmm. and then they're all especially general practitioners have to learn how to handle a million different ailments a million different symptoms and have all that information in their heads and then so they refer like my doctor doesn't refer any of his patients to the dietitian in his practice because he knows the information that person is going to give them is faulty like i think at the end of the day like find like you you were starting to say david like when someone is 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 people can take any form or way of eating and manipulate it so they can kind of have the crap food that they want to eat. Like we talk about nutrition quality. Like it's one of the things that we work on, you know, I work on with my clients. It's not just getting yourself into like your keto macros, but also talking about what are your food choices? What are the types of oils you're eating? Like what are the different ingredients and how they're affecting you? And then also all the other factors that come into a person's life. And at the end of the day, it's just, we get trapped in this place of feeling like restriction is bad. And making the choice not to have something is bad. And you can't do that for the rest of your life. And like, my response is always, why couldn't you? Like, why yeah, can't 100%. you do that? If that, saves, if that's saving you, you know, right, I was undiagnosed type two diabetic. You know, there was, you know, I have all this, I still have pain in my feet every day because of neuropathy that is healing. But someone wants me to just take medicine and, and allow me to kind of eat foods that would still cause that problem to, to persist instead of living the restricted lifestyle that I'm living now. Like, 
I just, I get so angry when I think about this fact that we're, as much as we're all adults, we act like babies when it comes to food. It's like, well, mm -hmm. I can't have that anymore. And so that makes my life horrible. And I'm a bit, and you're suggesting to me that I can't eat that makes you a bad person. It's like, no, grow up, grow take up. charge of what's on your plate. Like, yeah. and if taking charge of what's on your plate means you just do portion control, calorie restriction, and that works for you. I think that's fantastic. You know, we have, there's, there's, there's some common influencers out there that we all know. Um, one specifically who lives out here in San Diego with me, who like, who loves to talk about keto, you know, not being the best thing. Um, and he, half the time he's doing it is joking and people don't catch on to it. Oh yeah. But it's this, it's this idea of realizing that if keto gives someone freedom from problems they've been having and helps someone with food addiction or helps someone deal with other challenges or cures type two diabetes, then why are we going to say that that's not good for that person? Like at the end of the day, like, and, and even talking about like what food choices are happening. And I know I'm rambling and talking too much, but no, you're good, my, bro. I, have, I have, I have a friend, Mary, who's a coach and she works with food addicts and she works with her own issues of food addiction, keto, Mary 71 on Instagram. And Mary posted today because she showed her plate that was mostly bacon, cheese, and steak. And she's like 90% of the food I've eaten during her ketogenic journey has been beef, bacon, and butter. And everyone says that's not what keto should be because they don't want that to be the image of it. She's like, but this is what I've eaten for 90% of my ketogenic journey. And all of her, her numbers are perfect. All of everything her doctor tests her for is perfect. And so if that works for someone, let it be what works for someone. The same way I feel, because I get, I, I, I take issues sometimes when I see ketogenic influencers on Instagram who are posting desserts all the time. And 90% of the food recipes they're posting are desserts. And it makes mm -hmm. it look like all they're eating is desserts all the time. And there are probably some people out there who can lose weight and be healthy on a ketogenic diet and do that, but I'm not one of the ones that can. And I think at the end of the day, again, it just comes back to finding what works for you and letting people be okay with doing what works for them. And if it's not something that works for you, no one, no one on here, you know, I know Ben's not saying this. We're not telling everyone that they have to go keto. You know, if, if you were to press me and say, do I think every person on the planet could benefit if they did health wise, I would probably say yes but I don't think everyone can. And I don't think everyone can handle it from a mindset or psychological standpoint. So I'm it's, not, I would never tell people they have to. No, hundred percent. And what's, what's so interesting too is uh, two things going off of that. Number one, <clears throat> so I've become connected, not like I wouldn't say friends, um, but like with carnivore MD. And mm -hmm. that's always the question for me. And like, okay, tell me the difference between a carnivore diet and keto, I would say they're basically the same thing. And a lot of the, a lot of the scientific benefits of carnivore is because they're in ketosis. Like, I feel like it's not about the meat itself. It's not about, right. it's because you're in a keto based state, which is helping with your lower insulin levels, lower sugar levels, all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't necessarily mean it's because of well, you're eating a whole, whole meats and blah, 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 blah. I, I, I don't think there's a good enough misconception. Uh, there's a good enough, well, I think Ben could kind of walk too. us through that. He's lived on both both sides of that spectrum, right? Carnivore and keto. Yeah, I've jumped back and forth to different degrees of like adherence to both, right? I, I, I've done the keto ice creams and then I've been the person that eliminated dairy and tried to eat beef liver, right? So like I've I've done all of these things and I think okay. that I, can, I would agree with David that like the majority of the benefit you're going to get can be gotten from pretty much any diet, any ketogenic diet for you, any diet that puts you in ketosis will get you at least 80% of the same benefits as carnivore. Uh, but then it goes back to how well formulated is your diet. So a lot of what uh, carnivore MD, what Paul preaches is like, well, you eat beef liver because vitamin A, vitamin B12, and he goes through all these things. So it goes back to the difference in 
I guess I'm assuming for this podcast, we're talking about carnivore in a weight or keto rather in a weight loss context. Uh, Not really in a lifestyle in general. It's just keto. Yeah. Keto in general. I think it's because I think lifestyle is important too with it because everyone, everyone has, I don't look at, I don't look at keto as a diet. You know what I mean? I I look at keto as a full blown lifestyle, you know? And and yeah. And in a way it is, but I think that just like you can follow keto and eat ice creams and brownies all the time and barely maybe get 45, 50 grams of protein a day. You can also fall somewhere else in that spectrum where you're on the other end where you're eating an abundance of protein. You're eating zero carbs. Like we talked about earlier, ketosis is always going to go back to carbohydrate restriction. Uh, And then the organ meats that he like promotes while that seems extreme for most people, it kind of covers all your bases in a Mm -hmm. nutritional sense. So like looking at like what they would measure your labs, right? You got to make sure you get a knife, vitamin A, knife, uh, vitamin, vitamin C, you want to get iron. Um, All these things that, especially if you're eating carnivore may be concerning that's where the organ meat things are coming in but in a i guess to make this broad answer more specific is like keto will get you most of those benefits the biggest benefit to most diets is the things that they stop you from doing almost every successful diet is going to reduce or eliminate sugar and kind of encourage more positive eating habits right mm-hmm. and then so even if it's paleo if it's vegan right if if you're doing vegan and eating salads, that's probably still better than the standard American, what we think of as a standard American diet. So like it all kind of falls on a spectrum, but I think if you go keto, you're getting most of the benefit you would get from going carnivore. Um, But it does kind of go back to what Gourmet said. Like some people, if they do a more relaxed, say like ketogenic diet versus carnivore, then maybe they still struggle with that control over food. Going back to our friend, Mary Gourmet. So like that works for her the best to control the issue that she has. And it goes back to, I'm not going to knock anyone for doing anything. Right. But yeah, I would agree that carnivore is, is kind of an extreme approach to accomplish basically the same goal, but it does work for people who need like harder rules or stronger, like boundaries for themselves. See that. And I, I love that. Cause again, this is the, the, the classic to me. And this is why I shit on most of anyone because <laughs> this is the reality. The reality is we don't fucking know. We don't like, like nutritionists, you get these one, you get these certain nutritionists are like, well, the newest data shows vegan is just blah, 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 LDL levels. And yeah, again, none of these studies show astronomical data. They show inferences. They show maybe a little bit, but none of them have these like astronomical, like, oh, wow. If you go vegan, you drop your cardiovascular disease by 99.8%. No one does that. And so it's like, it's this classic of, I think one of the things that when you get into keto, we get into any nutrition plan, are you primarily eating to fuel your body? Or are you primarily eating for taste and convenience? Doesn't yeah. mean you can't find tasteful, convenient things to fuel your body. Right. But mm-hmm. this idea that this is where the intuitive eaters, I, I'm going to just shit on. Because you tell David Roden, 410 pounds, just learn how to feel out your body. If you feel like you should eat a Snickers bar, it's okay to eat a Snickers bar. Shut the fuck up. Like mm-hmm. David Roden would never stop eating Snickers bar. Actually, it would have been Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> Same concept. If, if I would like, no, I literally in the, in the depths of my weight loss, I didn't touch a Reese's peanut butter cup for probably two years. Once I got through it and I lost hundred and plus 150 pounds. Then I was like, yeah, I'm going to have one. 
and I'm, I've worked, I've calloused my brain to be able to control it. But this classic of like, like you can't like build balance early, not necessarily true. Like some people need the massive restriction at the beginning and then they find their balance afterwards. Like that's, and that's, I, I mean, I kind of like to ahead. think in a way that that's essentially where I am, right? It's like, I am pushing towards, I guess, balance in a, in a cultural sense though, because like I, there was on, I'll say this, I should have said it earlier when we were talking about it, but I was surprised that you guys asked me to do this because I recently, I guess, left keto, if you want to make it seem dramatic. No. But, but it was keto, I will say, was the single most powerful and sustainable weight management, both for losing weight and maintaining it that I had ever done up to this point. And I would also recommend it to anybody who at least try it, right? If you're trying to lose weight and you have a problem controlling yourself, especially at least just try it because that really worked for me. And it just helped me get to the before stage of what David's talking about, where like you go through further restriction or you restrict it down to a baseline and then you build, build, build it back, back up. up. Yeah. Because I also, I get like old me, I always think about it like that. And it's like, no, he was never going to be able to just make it work. I said it earlier, but he was never going to be able to have one donut. Right. So, mm -hmm. so I'm, I, I'm all about keto for doing exactly what David just said, which is kind of giving you a new baseline. And then you just see how far you can go from that. And if that's not at all, for some people, that's also fine because it should be more about your goals and the results that you want than like whatever dietary approach you're following, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, kind of pivot this conversation really there's, quick. There's one more thing I want to oh, add ahead. just to that, which is like, this is like going off of like the common misconceptions like I wanted to kind of hit on, which is at the end of the day, no matter like there's a hierarchy to macros. Like people will say otherwise, but there's a hierarchy of macros. Number one is protein. Protein is by far the most essential macro. Why? Because there's only certain metabolic things it can do. Build muscle. There's only certain metabolic things that need the amino acids to get done. Like that you just have to. Number two, most important thing is fats. Like there are fat, fat is needed. The lipids are needed for different endocrine function, testosterone, these certain things that need lipids carbs are basically just energy. It's all it's basically used for. So at the end of the day, protein is the most important. Fats are the second most important and carbs are the least important of the body. Why? Because all three can be used for energy. People fats can be used for energy. Protein can be used for energy. Carbs can be used for energy, but only certain things can be done in the opposite direction. And so that's why I always convey like protein and fats are still the most important and carbs the least because you can build energy through all three platforms, all, th all mm -hmm. three macros. You can't do certain things without, car without protein and fats. That's like the misconception a lot of people get too. I did see Gourmet kind of shake a little bit. What, do you have a little bit, little pushback on that? No, I, I think I think using protein for energy is is a is a very inefficient process. Oh, hundred so percent. It, it is there's inefficient. So much, there's so much more. There's so much more science there to you know, like in terms of like going deep on that. Like no, hundred percent. But know, just, my whole yeah. thing is just the idea that carbs. This idea that you need carbs. For oh energy. yeah, no, you're completely you're completely on you're completely on track with that. Yeah, like, I, I mean you could you right. could you could negotiate carb like protein and fat and swap them. Right. Uh, but just the idea of carbs, I'm sorry, the least important of the three. 
they are. Well, and I mean, and that, then you then we could dive into like gluconeogenesis and you know and the body creating um, glucose when it needs it. You know, from other from other factors. You know, that don't involve actually eating carbs. So exactly. Mm-hmm. What were you about to say, John? So no, I wanted to uh, pivot the conversation more, um, kind of. Well, because we have our notes, right, David? So I'm kind of just hitting this in the baseline of our notes. So I kind of wanted to pivot the conversation to, so start with a clean slate. Um, you know, you're not talking to me and David. Uh, you're talking to somebody who basically debating on starting this, this keto journey. They have no idea what it is. Kind of give everyone at home listening the broad strokes of the how-to of introducing yourself to keto and, you know, kind of, you know, the building blocks of what, you know, how to build that lifestyle. Ben, we'll start with you. With me? Yeah, we'll start with you. Okay. Uh, so the, I think that it's important to acclimate for, I mean, I guess the first thing you have to do with anything is like you make the decision and the commitment. So if you go into it saying this, this isn't going to work, this is going to be hard, this is going to be restrictive, then it's, you're kind of not giving it a fair shake, Right. Right. Beyond that, I'm a fan of like acclimating to the food choice. So while I'll say that in terms of weight loss and, 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 and health to a degree, but like calories are the, probably your most important thing, right? But right. you need to, I think, get used to eating that way, go through, I mean, people talk about keto flu and all these things, but like there is, no matter how extreme or minor it is, there's going to be a, a period where you're adapting to eating a different way and really just not having carbohydrates right that's what you're adapting to uh, so i'm a fan of like init like if you've never done it before i do like kind of the cliche approach that you see online of like just eat keto food so to speak or just track only a carbohydrate number say stay with within 40 grams of total carbs and then let fat and protein fall wherever they end up as you get used to the food choices you have eating without carbohydrates right Right. And then a couple weeks in, then that's when we're going to need to shift focus more towards calories and macros and things that will matter to influence your goals. So even if it's gaining weight, macros and calories are still important, right? Just in the other direction from what people are used to. So like, if you're going to go keto, I think it's important to adjust to the diet itself first. So just get used to the food choices you have, what meals in, in theory should look like. Uh, what things are very hard for you to eat when you're doing this. And then you start to drill down deeper on, on individual macro levels and your overall calories and things like that. Cool. Gormy and, and you. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's pretty spot on. Like I, I really think what it's about is, is getting used to understand Like I think one of the first things, especially like someone coming from a standard American diet, like the first thing that everyone needs to get used to is what are the different words for sugar that get put on our labels or I think educating yourself that there's, there are like currently like, I believe it's 90 at this point words for sugar that the FDA allows people to put on a label uh, for sugar. And those are put there to to make you not realize there's sugar added to your food. Uh, So I think learning to read labels and realize what actually makes up your food is really important. Um, I think it, you know, for someone to start, I think it's that idea that you get them to, like Ben said, like, I honestly think, Focusing on, on counting carbs initially and eating enough fat and protein to satiation is, is a good place to start if you're transitioning because you if you hit a point where you're hungry, eat more fat and protein um, and allow yourself to kind of like experience that for a week or two as your body kind of gets adapted. Um, I, I think also one of the biggest things for people to understand is really to, to, 
to dive deep into food, like dive deep into what actually is in your food. So realize like, and again, you know, Ben and I are, are fans of Matt Vincent, so we'll throw his name around a lot. But one of the things that he talked about for a long time was he would eat anything that was one ingredient. You know, if you could identify something as a single ingredient food, then it could mm -hmm. go on your plate. And I think getting used to that idea of moving away from processed foods and moving toward food in its more natural state is really something that just helps you be able to figure out how you should start building your plate, how you, you should start putting that together. Um, the other tip, you know, I say to people, like if they're starting out and they're just counting their carbs and they're not tracking their protein and their fat and they hit a point where they're really hungry, eat more fat. You know, don't be afraid to, to be, afraid, you know, to use fat as that kind of lever that's helping you with your hunger as you're getting into it. I, I think it's this idea, you know, and Ben started to talk about, you know, keto flu and kind of that adaptation piece. The other thing that I don't think a lot of people think about when they're starting a ketogenic diet is we, we hold water on our bodies so that we can process carbohydrates when we're eating them. And as soon as you start eating ketogenically, your body starts to flush that water out. It's why you get that dramatic weight gain initially, and not weight gain, weight loss initially, and everyone loves it, you know, and it's all very exciting for people. But what comes along with that can be headaches and muscle aches and the quote unquote keto flu, because as your body is losing water, you're not holding water as efficiently and you're also flushing out electrolytes. So supplementing, you know, increasing the amount of sodium that you're taking in, looking at taking in some potassium and some magnesium can be things that really help and I know for me, I never experienced a keto flu period at all because someone talked to me about electrolytes very early on in what I was doing. And so I do that now with every person I'm working with. And, you know, I work in a store now that's selling keto products. And when people come in and they say it's week one and okay, you're feeling a little crappy the first couple of days, I'm like, you need to up your water intake and you need to get your electrolytes. Plain and simply, even if it's just adding more salt to your food, because what we don't realize is the problem with salt and food usually comes from the fact that food is so highly processed that they pack it full of salt. salt right. So when you, when you go into like more of a whole foods based ketogenic way of eating, you're getting less salt naturally. You know, you're taking in a lot less sodium. And so your body's flushing out more and you're not taking it in. So you, if you have that little bit of a headache forming or something along those lines, throw a quarter teaspoon of salt into a bottle, a 20 ounce bottle of water and knock that back. And it usually goes away really quickly. Like it's this idea of thinking about, nutrients and, and, you know, the way those micronutrients can help with how you're approaching things in general. And really, um, like, and this is the problem, because that's where people start talking about like keto, you know, I've had clients come to me and say, you know, I want to go keto because my, my neighbor did it. And they said they were never hungry again in their life. And it's not true that you're never hungry again in your life. Like, I think that's so ridiculous. We're in a, in a weight loss space because we're getting ourselves into a caloric deficit. Mm -hmm. As human beings, we've moved away from the idea that hunger can be a good thing. Hunger kept us alive for generations. Like it was being hungry that caused society to develop because people realized that when they worked together, they could get food easier. They could hunt in packs, you know, like hunger is a driving force in ourselves. And we've come to this place for some reason where we want to eliminate it. So I, I think also talking to people about realizing that sometimes you're going to be hungry and it's eating a ketogenic way of, of, of food can help you realize the difference between your head hunger and your body hunger, because you start to kind of take away that insulin roller coaster that eating carbohydrates causes. But that's not really the answer to the question you were asking. Like just no, no. That, that idea of getting started, like I would say, like find a resource, you know, find a good resource. Like there's a great food list on dietdoctor.com. I, I, I'll throw a plug in for the ketoroad.com. We have a great page called What is Keto? Where we list kind of like a basic list of foods to think about when you're going keto. Mm -hmm. You know, find a list like that and start building some meals off of those lists. You know, start realizing what vegetables have more carbs and have less carbs and realize that, most likely, if you're eating a vegetable that is green and, a, and grown above ground, 
you're probably going to be pretty much in the clear when it comes to eating it. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's those root vegetables and those things that grow underground that cause more problems. Uh, you know, the more colorful something is, the more likely it's going to have sugar, you know, all of that, like start to, to learn. So plain, I'll be plain and simple and I'll stop rambling. Basically start to educate yourself about food, learn how to track food. Even if you're not going to be tracking it tightly, learn how to understand what the basic building blocks are, of food are. You know, I see so many people who come into the keto space and have never heard the word macros before in their life. So mm -hmm. learn what protein is, learn what carbs are, learn what fat is. And then you can start to tweak that. Like, like Ben was saying, like, as you get into it, you can start thinking about what are some more ideal choices? Like, you know, when I work with someone and they're like, I, I heard eating mayo is bad for me because of the oil that it's made with. And I'm like, well, if having a little bit of mayo with your chicken right now is helping you get through the day as we transition you to your new macros, stick eating that mayo. We'll talk about avocado oil mayo soon. We'll talk about finding other sources soon, but understand that, you know, we're helping you do this in stages. You don't have to do, be 100% day one. You don't have to be perfect on the first day. Just don't, be, like, again, it just goes back to that idea of don't be afraid to start. Don't be afraid to dive into it. And oh, yeah. Ask, ask people questions and, and research and don't, and, and I'll throw one more caveat out there. If a product has keto on the label, don't just accept that as being something you can take and shove in your face. Um, still, still read the label, still read what's in it. Look at portion sizes and realize no matter what weight, if you're, if weight loss is your goal, you're going to have to eat less calories uh, than you're using every day. That's something you're going to have to do. And it's just that for a lot of us, keto helps us do that. And that's the thing I try, the point I try to make the most to people is that when I've tried other diets, I've done other ways of, like I get DMs all the time, or I used to when I had a bigger Instagram account um, of people telling me that, uh, I know, right? Free gourmet. But people telling me like, you know, you could have done like this and it even happens now on Twitter. You know, I post, I post a transformation picture and I'm going to get a con I haven't opened Twitter up since I posted this morning, but there's going to be someone that replied and said, you could have done the same thing, just counting calories. And you know what? I could have, but, but I did It would have driven me insane. Yeah. You know, there's all these different tools out there to help you lose weight and whichever one helps you get into a caloric deficit. Let that be the one that you use. I love that, that said, yeah, that's that said, like Ben said this, and I think not enough people realize this because there's so many influencers in the ketogenic space that love to talk about the fact that they just eat without restriction and they eat intuitively and they never get it. They've lost all the weight. They I hate that fucking saying it right perfectly. Now. But let's realize most of these people were never morbidly obese to begin with. And I hate yes. to say that, but it's true. They were not. So true. And they, they don't understand what disordered, what a disordered relationship with food can really be like. And yes, there are tons of thin people out there that have trouble with food, but I'm going to tell you that if you're 200 pounds overweight, your relationship with food is going to be different than someone who is just 20 pounds overweight. Way different. And so I went from 480 to 290. To, I went down to from 480 to 280, and I put on 15 pounds eating ketogenic. I was not eating more than 20 grams of carbs a day, and I was putting weight on because I, my food addiction and my compulsion to eat was stronger than ketogenic macros. You know, and so I had to find a way to work on that. And I think that's the thing to realize at the end of the day is no way of eating is going to give you magic release from all of these other issues you deal with. You need to find ways to use these tools to help you so that you can work on those other things. And that's the greatest gift that keto has given me is the strength to be able to work on my addiction to food in other ways beyond just what goes on my plate. Drop the fucking mic. Boom. You couldn't have asked for a better response. No, I, um, go you go. You go. Actually, no, I was, no, 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 no. was going to pivot the conversation again. I, I was, was pretty close moving. to it. Um, no, but I think that is just the idea of, I find it hysterical when 
number there's a couple different concepts number one just the idea that someone doing a different program who gets the same result is somehow why didn't you do this way shut the fuck up oh yeah mm-hmm. just business. shut the fuck up mm-hmm. like <laughs> gourmet this is this is this is our podcast we cuss on here mm-hmm. oh yeah gourmet, gourmet, oh, gourmet. i curse on gourmet's podcast all the time um but like oh. it's just it's just hysterical to me that's that's this person's ego talking like if they're getting the mm-hmm. results now as long as they're not bashing someone else what, what gets me is like when when keto people are shitting on vegan people mm-hmm. let them do their thing now if they start coming back at you then yeah obviously i'm i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna play that angle mm-hmm. it's like i had a, i had a friend of mine who who started jabbing at me about veganism and i'm like hey if you want to go here i'm willing to go there but if you're gonna go there, you better come correct because I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some some data out there that's that you're it's gonna spin you in circles. You live your life, go do it. I'll live mine. Great. As soon as you start attacking me based upon your belief system, be ready. That's fine. Just be ready. I'm gonna attack back then. Like that's how this is gonna work. Right. Um. I just find that hysterical. People think this is some kind of a one size fits all plan. Um. Well, that's what losing weight is, David. Yeah. One size fits all. It's, it's, it's one size fits all. Everything. Everything's exactly. fine. Well, um, the, best, and then, the best part about one size fits all throwing everything under this banner of keto is that you can do, we talked about carnivore MD and a carnivore diet, but then you can technically also follow a vegetarian ketogenic diet because it goes back to whatever your body's in, right? So lumping groups together or vegans who eat Oreos versus eating salads, right? So like grouping everyone together is always going to be, and this can go beyond diet if you want, but it's always going to be that's racist. problematic, right? To generalize like that. Oh, hundred percent. And then, and then the whole thing I was going to say off of that is just like getting to this realization people that you have to start. The only way this is going to sustain, the only way you're going to live the the healthiest and happiest life you can through lifestyle is come to the realization. You have to be educated. You can't Mm -hmm. just like, Oh, fucking throw shit against a wall and hopefully it just sticks. Yeah. That hasn't worked for you up to this point. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like taking a credit card that you don't know what the limit's on and then going to a car dealership and saying, I want that one. That one. Yeah. And you're like, well, what's your credit? How, how much, how much can you afford? Do you even know what this car costs? Do you know what kind of gas it takes? Do you know what insurance is going to happen? You don't know anything. And you think your life's just going to somehow work out. Like that's just not how it's going to work. Right. Um, <laughs> and so that's where if keto is the, the route you go, you can't just willy nilly it. You have to be educated on the do's, the don'ts. And what I like to also tell people is like, if you're getting into this fear of losing weight, um, try to find that person. Uh, if you want to call them a role model, whatever you want to call them, who's kind of started in a similar position as you like, don't go and follow Tom who fucking did you know, Weight Watchers, he only needed to lose 15 to 20 pounds and you need to lose 150 to 175 pounds. Tom is going to have a whole different experience than, you know, you're ever going to have. Like Gourmet was saying before, the food, the food relationship is going to be totally different. Your relationship with food is not anywhere near where a regular Tom, Joe, Bill, Bob is, is at, you know? So you need to find somebody, no matter what path you choose to go on, what lifestyle you want to do, who's starting somewhere, you know, close to you. Um, also, I would like to pivot the conversation. Is that cool with everybody? Is everyone good? Where we're Fire at right now? Yeah. Maybe? Okay, cool. Um, I think this is going to be one of the, the uh, more fun portions of Ooh, the- I know uh, where this is going. No, you don't. Yeah, Maybe. I do. No, actually, I wanted to talk about common misconceptions with keto. Oh, okay. I know we kind of talked about it earlier, um, but what are some of, like, you guys have to get 
the most wild DMs about keto and, you know, people's ideas behind keto. And, you know, my mom told me this or my cousin who did keto told me like, what are some of the most common misconceptions that you guys get in your DMs that you have to set the story straight when it comes to keto? Um, Yeah, go ahead, Gordon. I'll start. I'll start. Here's one uh, that I've been getting a lot the past two weeks. Um, that exogenous ketones are required. Uh, high proof. Oh, um, drives me nuts. Yeah. So this idea that you need exogenous ketones to get back into ketosis quicker, or it helps you with a cheat meal and all this bullshit. Um, exogenous ketones have a place. They do. They have a place when it comes to performance and energy and mental focus, and they can do some great things for people. But the idea that you need them for weight loss and anyone who tells you that you need them for weight loss and then tries to sell you them at 500 times the price you would pay if you were just to buy the ingredients that's in the packet yourself. So, so what is this for people that don't understand? I've what, already what, said it. The, I've said the word prove it ketones several times. Oh, I, 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 have, some, you. I, have, yeah. I have friends that sell them who are going to get very mad at me saying this. Um, well, yeah. I think there are, people, there are people that use them. I know some people, uh, like my friends, uh, you know, Strongman Way and, and Nat, um, use them and use them properly. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's uses for these things. And there are people that, and like they, they sell them above the board, but it's like anything. Like I know people that have used Herbalife to extreme success and have done some great things with it. But then it's when it comes over to that dark side about becoming more about marketing and less about the actual product. But I think to back off bashing anyone, I'll just go back to this idea that exogenous ketones are not needed if weight loss is your goal with the ketogenic diet. You should be looking to create an increased level of ketones in your body through the food you're eating not through creating a false reading because and, I yeah, could also that's, that's what I was about to say. I, I've done, I've done up, prove it. Right, the, I've been on exogenous diabetic. I could show up as diabetic by eating four candy bars and testing my blood sugar. Like I could show up as having a dangerous level of blood sugar by doing that. Like, I, I think the idea is that, you know, realize that products don't get us where we need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it should really be, you know, I think food is what you want to think about it. I think another giant misconception is, that all keto people do all day is sit around eat, dipping big bacon and melted butter and eating that. And there probably are some people that do that, but a lot of us don't. Um, there are a lot of us that eat plenty of vegetables every day um, and enjoy ourselves. Um, you know, like it's, it's, it's not something that you just do. I'll, I'll throw out, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm on a roll with, with these misconceptions. Cause I think we already talked about this, but the idea that calories don't count on keto is mm-hmm. bullshit. It's my favorite. Um, you know, it, it re- that's the biggest one that's out there. Um, yes, eating a ketogenic like ketogenic macros, a ketogenic ratio is going to kill your hunger. And so you then naturally, for some people, go into a caloric deficit. And True. that's what that is. It's not that you can magically eat 50,000 calories a day on keto. And are there some people, I have friends that are in incredible shape and eat four to 5,000 calories a day, you know, staying carnivore or staying strict keto Genetics. and don't gain an ounce. And they're amazing. But yes, that's a genetic thing. You know, if I walk by, you know, 5,000 calories, I gain three pounds. You know, that's my genetics. So yeah, understand you. that, you know, it's not, it's not magic. Keto is not magic. I love the ketogenic diet. I love everything that's done for me. There is literally nothing magic about it. It's science. You know, it's, mm-hmm. we're dealing with science. And whether you want to use that science to your benefit or not is up to you. But don't think that just because you all of a sudden – you know, are eating high fat and cutting your carbs, that something magic is going to happen for you. It's still going to take some work. So sure. there, there's mine. Um, so we've already, I mean, just like Gormy said, we've already touched on like the big ones, calories being probably the biggest for me. Um, and touching on the exogenous ketone things is I'll have people, big misconception is that especially for people who are testing their ketones, they 
they treat it like an arcade game and they're trying to get the high score, right? Like mm-hmm. they think that if they can, if they got a 2.8, if I can just push it over three, then I'll really get to, and that is more, I always compare blood ketones to like the fuel gauge in your car. It tells you how much fuel is available at any given time, right? But it doesn't say how much you've used that day. It doesn't tell you how efficiently your car is running, right? It is just a measurement of if you have ketones in your system or not. So like you take the exogenous ketones and it puts you up to a three and a half. You're not necessarily losing weight or burning calories any faster than somebody who isn't taking the exogenous ketones, right? So, I mean, you can talk about where a good level to be was, but generally anything over 0.5 for your blood ketones is is almost no different from being at 1.5, right? It's like, it's a pass or fail thing, but a lot of people treat it like this high score game and, and the two just don't relate. So that's a big one for me. Um, and then the other one that I get a lot is people ask me how I eat so much protein. And I know that Gourmet probably has, although we generally largely agree, he has a slightly different approach, um, but I've always liked a higher protein version so if you look at that normal keto um, macro split that they put out there where you're only you're only at like 20 percent protein some people take it as low as 15 and again not here to knock anybody who gets results anyway Um, but I've always liked more protein and I think that in a general standpoint taking keto out of it most people are much more at risk of not getting enough protein than they are eating too much of it but there's Mm -hmm. this big fear around eating too much so then you'll have like any of us will we'll be, we'll have guys that are our size, John's size, and they'll be eating 95 grams of protein a day. And it's like, that, I get that you went high fat, right? Your carbs are really low, but you still need to be mindful of protein and stop being afraid of it. There's this big fear stigma with protein that to me is like unwarranted a little bit. Yeah, so that's probably the that. one I get the most. Yeah, I don't understand well, this fear behind protein. Well, it's the mis- it's it's this idea that there is people who don't have a basic understanding of what gluconeogenesis is. They hear this idea that the body can turn protein into sugar when needed and don't understand that it's a demand-driven process. It's one that the body uses when it needs it, not constantly. So they ignore that when that needed will- part. <laughs> right. So it's a, there's this idea that people think that if you eat an extra steak, you're eating a cupcake. You know, you're eating, you're, that cake, that steak turns into chocolate cake in your body. And I've seen Jesus. people say that. And it's like, it's bullshit. That's not really the way that it works. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty completely- brutal. They just don't have an under, it's, it's this idea that I think happens on, in all levels, you know, in social media space, we find one little tidbit of information and we run with it as the gospel truth. You know, it's also the idea of like the insulin response being the primary driver to people thinking that's the primary thing behind weight loss, you know, that, but it's almost like what I like to to tell people is like, there's all of these factors involved. There isn't just one major thing that is involved with what's causing your body to lose weight or causing your body to gain weight. Realize that it can be a multifaceted process. And don't just glom onto one train and, and, you know, put all your eggs in one basket. Realize that you need to kind of pay attention to like the broader spectrum of what you're dealing with. Um, I was going to say there was another one that, that misconception that came up with me and now I'm going to blind. Yeah, I, I got one. That was I got one real quick. Okay. The big one that I like, it blows my mind because I had a nutritionist tell me this and I'm like, you're, you're wrong. And you, you, the, the misconception that ketosis and ketoacidosis are the same thing. Oh yeah. They're yeah. not the same thing. like this idea like ketoacidosis is a diabetic issue most of the time where basically since your insulin is so low and your sugar levels go through the roof 
um, ketones start to develop in the blood to a point where it's way above the metabolic norm of ketosis. We're talking Mm -hmm. like ketones of 8, 10, 12, 15, and it acidifies Mm -hmm. the blood, and then you can die from that. But we're we're talking like on it. If you're just a normal ketosis, you're, I do a five day fast and my ketones hit three and a half tops because Mm -hmm. your body can, can your body's healthy and it adapts it and controls it correctly. Mm -hmm. And this idea that going into ketosis can make you go ketoacidosis. It's just bullshit. It's just not true. Um, I, that one is always so funny because I had to educate this. Oh yeah. (laughs) That was fun. So misconceptions behind us what are some of your guys favorite uh keto nutritional hacks food hacks uh i'll go i'll go first with food hacks something that i'm going back to being a fan of a higher protein um but honestly no matter what kind of macro split you want to do i'm always or i tend to be a fan of getting like leaner cuts of meat and then adding fat differently right add some butter add whatever just gives me more control over the numbers and it helps me especially early on if you when you really start focusing on your numbers and you have specific macros you want to hit going with a lean protein especially that'll off the top take care of your protein versus eating a bunch of ribeye and realizing you need enough protein for the day right so have a sirloin and then add butter to get calorically and macro wise where you need to get that's a, that's one that i've always liked hmm. i've never even thought of that uh, the ones that I think of, like, I, obviously, I can think of some fat hacks, because that's something that, you know, kind of like works a, a lot for me. But I, I think one of the bigger things that people don't think about is food volume. Uh, when you're eating a, a ketogenic diet or a, a carnivore diet, you're tending to eat foods that are really calorie dense, you know, fats and proteins tend to be really calorie dense. So size wise, it's, it's not as much food volume going into your stomach. So I think of things like use picking vegetables that are going to be higher in volume. So like raw greens, uh, like baby arugula, baby spinach, things along those lines that are going to give you a lower carb hit, but it give you some intense volume. Like that clamshell that they sell at the supermarket of greens is usually four to five grams total of carbs. And once you open that thing up, it expands to be 10 times that size. And there's literally no way most people are going to eat that much salad when they're sitting down to eat a salad. Um, so I think thinking about volume, um, another fun hack with, with volume is uh, using shirataki or konjac noodles. Um, they're very weird and weird to work with. So if you do want to try them out, you know, make sure you follow the rules. They need to be rinsed well and handled, but they can give you some volume for a low, low, a low carb hit. Um, I think thinking of volume, I think thinking of crunch is another thing that most people miss. I had a couple, I've had a couple clients recently say they're adapting to eating a ketogenic way of eat of, of food, but they're not, they're missing crunch because when you cook vegetables, you tend to lose the crunch. So when we talk about, you know, incorporating some raw vegetables, but then also things like uh, pork rinds, uh, cheese crisps, you know, finding ways to add things that give you a little bit of that crunch that you're missing can be something that can be a great hack. As, as far as fat hacks, um, my biggest that I'm always talking to people about, and I, on some levels, people think I'm obsessed, is uh, making homemade avocado oil mayonnaise. It takes 30 seconds, and it's delicious, and it's some well-controlled fat, and you know what's going into it. There's no sugar added. There's no other kind of crap oils. Um, you can have some control over it, and you can flavor it a million different ways. Um, the other hack I would say is seasonings. Um, use different spice blends, try different tastes. Um, there's great companies out there selling many, many spice blends that don't have sugar added to them. Look for those, try different things. Don't be afraid to try new recipes. If you are missing a certain food, the other thing is Google that food with the word keto in front of it and you're gonna find a hundred recipes for it. There are people out there that have done the work for you already. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. 
Um, if you're, especially we're heading into the holidays. So if you're looking for a stuffing or a pie or, you know, I've got, I've got some clients that are Jewish that were looking for specific foods, you know, for, you know, for the high holidays that they're missing. And, you know, we're finding that they, those recipes exist, you know, keto recipes exist. There's so many of them out there. And yes, you're going to have to listen to, you know, probably read through someone's story of how, you know, their grandmother carried the recipe on their back throughout the mountains in the snow and then brought it to them and they milked the cow and all that jazz before you get to the actual recipe. Um, <laughs> but they're out there, they're out there, you know, so, so do those things, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's not hacks, it's choices. Like it's ways of figuring out things that work for you. You know, when you find things that work for you, do the things that work, um, you know, that's, oh, one more little one that I'll share that I love because this one shocked the hell out of me. If you're looking to up your fat, uh, when you're scrambling eggs, each egg you're scrambling can handle a tablespoon of added butter cooked into it and will not get greasy. It'll make a nice fluffy egg as if you added water or, or milk or something along those lines. And it won't seep out fatty or anything along those lines. So you can really pump up the fat in your breakfast if you do that. That's just a little little recipe hack. That's, that's fun. A, a very minor one that I always recommend to most clients, and this goes back to when Gourmet and I were talking about electrolytes being important, especially initially. So I just say, make sure that you have you salt every meal that you have. So like, if you want to get into supplementation and tracking the exact amounts, that's one thing. But again, to kind of cover your bases or a really simplistic approach to take care of this would just be to make sure that you incorporate or put add salt to each meal that you have. I would, I think that's going to be important early on and throughout. Mm -hmm. I tell you what one, two, it kind of goes back to what you were saying before, but depending on the person, again, do you need it to be in ketosis? No, but the, if you're ever the first time going into keto, taking exogenous ketones for the first, like say week as a buffer while your body's like transitioning, I have found um, for myself and for people I've worked with, like it helps. It helps with like that transition. So again, I wouldn't, again, you don't need it, but as a transition, I enjoy it. Cause it just, it just gives someone, cause you also feel it when you take exogenous ketones, you can feel what, what ketosis kind of feels like with how ketones burn in the body different than carbs. And I have found it to be a strategy to help people deal with that transition. To this, this is going to be slightly contradictory and mostly ignorant because I've never hardcore used exogenous ketones but i always when you look at i guess in a number standpoint just when you look at it to me when i look at it the biggest the big benefit you're getting from exogenous ketones is 99 percent of the time an electrolyte thing anyway because what we mm -hmm. talked about is when you oh, first yeah. go when you're transitioning you you lose right you're flushing you're not taking in as much so you're just constantly trickling down and then some people get headaches and they mm -hmm. get sick but so when they take the ketones, they think that because the ketones are in there, then that is helping them in the adaptation. And in my limited experience and personal opinion, I think that any ketone that you take, BHBs, they're bound to a mineral, some kind of salt, potassium, whatever, and it's like super high dose. So it's hard to buy a supplement that has the same, say, sodium and potassium as an exogenous ketone supplement, uh, even if it's branded as an electrolyte supplement. So just... It goes like carnivore versus keto. I think if you take high amounts of electrolytes in that first week, you're going to get 80% say of the benefit of taking exogenous ketones. But I don't know that the exogenous ketones are the juice isn't necessarily worth the squeeze because you can supplement electrolytes far cheaper than you can supplement in the ketones. Sure. But that's an aside. Sure. No, I agree. You don't yeah. need them. 
Um, no, no, no. My thought, yeah. I didn't think you were saying you need them. I was yeah. just saying if you want the same benefit, less money, kind of go for because because I've pilot. I've dealt I've worked with some people where like they their body just fought tooth and nail not to go into ketosis. Like, and I I worked I had them I was like hey work on your sodium do this do that and they had a week and a half of hell, and um and I was like you know what here's here's a couple ketones. Cause at the time I was actually taking prove it and I was, I was on exogenous ketones. Um, uh, and that tra- that like two couple, couple days helped them out immensely in the transition. Um, and it could be the naivety of they were not telling me exactly what they're eating and they're eating more carbs than what they said they were. And they were like kind of buffer range. Um, right. but it definitely, from my personal experience, it definitely helped. Time and place, right. For everything. Mm-hmm. So like, absolutely. All right, so transitioning to the to the final here, um, we got a couple questions off of the Discord server. Um, so question number one from Nicole here. Um, it's a kind of it's a it's a long one, so I'm gonna explain. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but um, do you consider the way some people do keto to be detrimental to their health? Question mark. Um, example that I see a lot on Instagram: people eating fast food burger patties, upwards of four to even six of them with extra cheese, extra bacon, no bun, and a meal similar to that, um, is keto sustainable for you for the long term slash forever? Um, I'll answer that one. I, I think what, one of the things I think from my perspective is people need to realize that those burger patties have been tested, all those fast food restaurants. It's just beef. It may not be the most qu- high quality beef, but it's just beef. Uh, people aren't eating that all the time. I don't think they're doing anything detrimental to their health by making that choice. Um, I think that goes into the perception of, of cheese and bacon and things like that being quote unquote bad for us. And they're just not, um, you know, depending on the quantities a person's eating, if they're eating that four times a day, they might be missing out on some nutrients. Uh, but I don't think they're doing anything directly harmful to their body, their body when they're doing it. Yeah. And I know there was, I was a saying, second part to the question and I missed that. Sorry. Well, results I'm having, more than my, my phone's about to die. So I'm dealing with, with battery issues. Oh, you're good. And the second one was just basically the sustainability of long-term. Like, can you do yeah. keto forever? Yeah. Yes. You, Hundred percent, you can. Yeah, you don't have to. Question keto, to you: Keto was the easiest. Uh, like I said earlier, it's like the easiest time I ever had adhering and sustaining a diet. And if it wasn't for my own, I think curiosity and angst, for lack of a better term, like I could eat keto for the rest of my life. And if this little potato experiment of mine backfires, then I feel very safe and comfortable knowing that I have that to fall back on, and I could literally just ride that out forever. So that's awesome. Yeah. And then here's another one from Donna. Um, this is another one we kind of talked about, but portion control, should you count calories with keto? A lot of people, including myself started out, uh, that it's a, a free for all and it's not Adkins mentality for years, um, which is in quotations. Um, if gourmet can get blah, blah, blah. If, uh, she's, she even said gourmet. Um, if wow. gourmet can go into that, that'd be great. So they yeah, often somebody, do. Yeah. They often do. <laughs> But but it's not Instagram. Instagram Instagram said nope. If if anyone doesn't realize this yet, join me on Parlor. Oh God, I was waiting for that. I've waited the whole. How long have we been on now? An hour and a half. I've waited for the Parlor joke to hit. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, portion control calories. Obviously, we've kind of talked about it, but um, you want to hammer that? No, I think you should. Um, I think it's something where you know. I think if you can just adapt a ketogenic way of eating and you're finding that you're hitting your goals. You know, you're losing weight at a pace that you want to lose weight at it and you're feeling good. Fantastic. If you find that you're not, or you're starting to put weight on or you're stalled, 
track your macros, uh, start working on doing some tighter tracking. Um, I think everyone can benefit from learning about what portions should look like and what amounts look like and things along those lines. But I do think, especially if you're someone who struggles with a food addiction or with a, a disordered relationship with food, sometimes that tracking can help, um, help you understand what your plate should look like. And so you can use, understand that it's a tool that you can use when you need it. The same way that eating intuitively can be a tool that you use when you need it. But I do think, you know, a lot of people that struggle with keto and say keto doesn't work, it's because they were overeating and not realizing that they needed a little more help in terms of doing some of that tracking. Truth. Yeah. I, I have almost nothing, basically <laughs> nothing to add to that. It's dead on. Because it's like it, calories are going to matter. But if, if you happen to be one of those people where you start eating keto and all of a sudden you're unintentionally restricting calories, then, then keep doing it, right? But like Gormy said, if you stall out for a couple of weeks or you start gaining some weight, maybe it's time to take things a little more serious. But at a certain point, for most of us, that's going to be unavoidable. And I do think that it's an important experience to have to yeah. tracking and, and learning. can't tell you how many times people are like, oh, I can't believe that that's what eight ounces looked like. I thought it was much, much more, you know? I, I would also throw in there that unless you're amazing at eyeballing um, amounts of vegetables and things along those lines, you're probably not really eating keto if you're not tracking because you're probably overeating on carbs unintentionally. So 100%. it's a good idea to do some tracking of those carbs, at least to start, even if it's just the carbs that you track so that you get an idea of what those should look like. Because let's be honest, like even for me, like I love Brussels sprouts, but Brussels, if I ate the amount of Brussels sprouts that I like to eat, I would probably be eating 50 to 60 grams of carbs of Brussels sprouts just mm -hmm. on my plate with a steak. Mm -hmm. So it's something that you have to pay attention to and realize that if that helps you with portion control, do that. That's, that's like actually step one for me. Like when I, when I work with anyone, the two steps nutritionally that I do is number one hydration. So like getting them to push their water to close to a gallon a day. And then number two is getting a food scale and weighing out your food. So you know, actually what you're eating, you mm -hmm. break mysticism, like this, the classic, like, well, you have no idea what you're eating until you weigh it and you actually scale it out and you actually know what you're doing. You have no idea what you're actually eating. Right. Oh, well, I had a steak. Well, you actually had a 19 ounce steak, not a six ounce steak. Like, well, but I don't understand. Put those calories in, see what you're actually eating here. Right. And mm -hmm. so that at least it breaks mysticism. Like you do have to wait, you oh, have yeah. to weigh your food forever. No, but you, you have to come to the realization of what you're actually putting in your body. Yeah. And so that's where that comes into play. You got sure. any more questions on the uh, Discord? Um, those are the two big ones. A couple, like uh, honestly, most of them we we hit on. So we're just gonna we're just gonna leave it there. Uh, hey, but a shout out to Donna. Hey, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> Checks in the mail. Checks in the <laughs> mail. Venmo, he'll Venmo you after this is over. Mm. Uh, it's All right, dumb. fellas. Well, I think that was I think, uh, I think that we're gonna wrap this bad boy up I right think now. We hammered keto pretty well, both um, girls. I, I do. I really do. I want to thank you guys for hopping on the first ever roundtable discussion. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I know that we both did. I think that uh, we all learned a little bit something today. I did. You know, if uh, for those that didn't notice, I was a, a bit quiet tonight. Um, I, I learned a couple of things, which is, you know, I know everything in the world. So um, science, science, fuck. Um, <laughs> If you guys need any help with keto, feel free to reach out to both these fine gentlemen. I know that they will help you. I know that because Gourmet actually charges for his help and Ben does it. So if that is your option, there you go. Uh, ben charges too. Who are you kidding? Yeah, ben, I would, Ben's I would, a coach. I would put a disclaimer. That's false. You can edit yeah. this oh. out, but I'm correcting it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot. Well, I thought maybe because you're eating potatoes now, you're not no. doing it. No. The, the help is no less valuable. Do as I say, <laughs> not as I do, you know? Exactly. 
All right, on that note, um, hopefully by the time this comes out, Gourmet still has an Instagram that's yet to be known. Um, you can follow him at Gourmet Goes Keto. There's no more underscores in that, which is really sad. You can follow Ben at Primal Bro. You can listen to the Fat Guy Forum. You can listen to the Primal Broadcast. You can listen to ALG because you're already doing that. You can join the ALG Discord. Um, I think that's it. Did I hit everyone's thing, David? And you need to just be a fucking champion. All right, stay stop beautiful. Being, stop being a victim. Triumph over your life, boys and girls. Stay beautiful, you're, stay you're, sexy. Do it, Joel. Get out of